Hello friends and welcome to the show. As the boss, we depend on you to take control when things are bad. And I don't normally date stamp our podcast. Today though is March the 19th. The year is 2020. You may be listening to this a couple years from now. It could be 2022 and maybe you've forgotten. But as of today, there's a lot of uncertainty. There's a virus that has basically taken over the entire world. The commerce in the U.S. has been severely impacted. Many people have lost their jobs. Many people are working virtually. If you're the boss and it's this day, there's probably a lot of crises that you have to handle. Well, rather than let you just twist in the wind, I thought we would take some time to give you some tools to help you out. My guest today is Margie Bush. Margie is the CEO of Wisdom Tree Coaching. She is a certified Myers-Briggs trainer and consultant. She has got a ton of experience, and I thought we'd bring her on the show, and her and I would have uh, some opportunity to talk to you about not just Myers-Briggs, but another kind of a derivative we call temperament. Temperament is a two-letter, basically shortcut to the four-letter 16-type arrangement maybe you've heard of. What we wanted to do is give you a little overview of what it means, how it works. More importantly, though, we want to talk about how each of these four temperaments will show up when there is a time of crisis and then give you tools and strategies to be able to help them bring their A game to work when things are uncertain and when things may not have clear-cut answers. It's a very engaging conversation. It's about an hour long, so sit back, be sure to take some good notes, and take a look down the line because we're probably going to offer some of these workshops using this tool virtually, especially while you're cooped up at home. This is going to be a great thing. So you know what to do. Buckle up. It's time to roll. Welcome to the Boss Builder Podcast. Margie Bush, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mac. It's fun to be here with you. It's been a long time since we've done a podcast together. And so we thought, so one thing I usually don't like to do when I do a podcast is to date stamp it. Mm -hmm. But I think we should date stamp it. Today is Thursday the 19th, right? Yes. And this is the year 2020. Yes. It just so happens that today is the first day of spring. I just realized that as I looked at my calendar, it said first day of spring. Yes. And isn't it wonderful that on this day of spring, it's beautiful outside. The world is full of hope. Everybody's excited for new opportunities. The money in our pocket is just overflowing. We're excited about the world of sports. The Olympics are right around the corner. Stores are overflowing with toilet paper and hand sanitizer. And the world's in a wonderful place. Right? Mac, I think you're way, way too far out in the country. Oh, my goodness. You mean there's problems? There are some challenges currently. Yes, of course. I'm just being a smart ass here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the reason I wanted to actually date stamp this is mm -hmm. that we really, there's a reason why we're going to do this episode today. So, uh, for those of you who listen to Boss Builder podcast, you can go back to some of the earliest episodes with Margie. And so, Margie is Boss Builder's strategic coaching partner. Therefore, any coaching work that we get, we send to her and her team because this is what she does. Uh, Margie and I have also worked on some projects together using a tool that we're going to be talking about today. 
And because of what's going on in the world, I thought it would be a great idea for us to get back together and just really have a talk today about what you need to do to be successful leading your team in times of uncertainty. And today is one of those days. There's a lot of uncertainty. Wouldn't you agree? Yes, I would. So the tool that we're going to use, and I think we've recorded how many episodes together, Margie? Has it been three? I believe three, yes. Yeah. And so we did one on coaching and then we did, we started doing the four Myers-Briggs dichotomies. And I think we, we never did finish that one. I guess we just got busy. And so. No, actually, I think we did. I think. Maybe we we did. Yeah. I think we did the um, extroversion and introversion and we combined the sensing, intuition, thinking, feeling. And I think it took some time, but I believe we did do the judging and perceiving eventually. Okay, good. Well, if we did, you can go back and you can listen to those. But if you're listening from HR Oxygen now, this would be the first time you've ever heard Margie. And so I thought we would uh, go ahead and put this episode on both of the podcast channels. So we're going to talk about using temperament to help us be successful in times of crisis, in times of anxiety, in times of uncertainty, in times of really not knowing what's going to happen next. And for those of you who were around back during the Great Recession in 08, you probably remember that every day you turn on the news, there's bad news. It was the stock market that was plummeting. So that has been the case today. But it's not only the stock market that is going down, the numbers of people infected with coronoid, what is it, 17, 19? Coronavirus, right? That's what we call it. Those numbers are going up. And so right now you might be listening and saying, man, the world is just completely going crazy. And wouldn't it be great if today was just the first day of spring? So we're going to talk about that today. And we're going to first introduce type just a little bit to give you a context. And then we're going to talk about temperament. I'm going to give you the conversions for that. And we thought what we would do is we would take you through and help you identify people's behavior style and then give you some ideas of what they might be showing you when things are not going well and how we can counter that, how we can help them be successful. So Margie, let's talk before we get into the temperaments a little bit about Myers-Briggs type. Can you just do a real quick review about Myers-Briggs and what that measures for us? Yeah, sure. So when we look at type, and most people are familiar with getting that Myers-Briggs four-letter type. And what that tells us is how we do things, how we get our energy or recharge our batteries and how we take in information, and how we make decisions and how we deal with uh, sometimes it's referred to our outer world or um, how we deal with priorities or deadlines. And when we look at temperament, it creates a shortcut from those four letters And it gives us an idea of how we show up in the world according to what we look at as observable behaviors. And where temperament comes from is it's focused on behaviors which show up and are driven by our core values and our core needs. All right. So when we say a person's core values and their core needs, what do we mean by that? You know, we all have um, certain core needs according to our personalities and in particular to our temperament that we need um, 
even in, at work, but also even in our personal relationships. And they're very specific for each of the temperaments. And I, I believe you're going to explain how many temperaments there are. That's right. Yeah. Well, going back to Myers-Briggs, mm-hmm. remember there's 16 types. Mm-hmm. So if you're a Myers-Briggs person, you're like, okay, I know I have a four-letter thing. Where are you getting these two-letter things? I'll give you the conversion for that. But these, again, are hardwired preferences, whether we look at temperament or type. That's where they get their origins from, right? Yes. So when we say a hardwired preference, there's a couple ways that we explain this. So you do one with the handwriting, right, Margie? Tell us how that one works. Yes. So you can uh, grab a pen or a pencil and and you can sign your name. And typically, uh, you should be picking up that pen or pencil with your preferred hand. And uh, so we do an exercise and have you sign your name with that preferred hand. And then we ask you to switch, switch over to the hand that you normally don't, it's not your go-to and try to sign your name with that hand. And, And we do a little debrief and ask participants, you know, what that felt like. And what we generally hear is that, oh, when I used my preferred hand, I happened to be right-handed it's neat, it's comfortable, um, it, it's my go-to. And when I try to use the other one, it's awkward and it's uncomfortable. And that's how our, our preferences work. Uh, we have one that we're comfortable using and one that we can use and we do use all the time. It just feels a little awkward when we do. Okay, yeah. I had experimented with another way to explain that. I was mm-hmm. doing a, uh, a Myers-Briggs debrief for my wife's principles of management class, I think it was. And mm-hmm. there was one of the students that was a German national. I guess she was married to an army guy. And so I asked her if English was her first language. She says, no, German was her first language. Uh-huh. I said, okay, so imagine this, you're walking through your house in your bare feet and you step in a big pile of dog crap. What <laughs> language do you say bad words in? And she says, oh, German. I said, but you can say English bad words, right? She's like, yeah, but the first that comes to mind is German. So the way I looked at it is her preference for communicating is in German, but she has access also to English. Mm -hmm. But when she wants to say bad words, German comes out. So it's kind of the same thing, isn't it? Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I hadn't hadn't thought of using uh, it in in that way. Well, I know you have a dog, Margie. So (laughs) perhaps you could try just C. Now, you only have one language, but... I guess it wouldn't work for you, would it? No. (laughs) Okay. All right. So then let's get serious here. And if you hear me coughing a little bit, I do not have coronavirus. This is allergy season. So whether we want to or not, spring is here. And with it here in Tennessee brings, of course, allergies. So so when we look at Mm Myers-Briggs, 16 types, Mm -hmm. we're going to look through the lens of temperament today. Temperament, I kind of think of that as sort of a shortcut. Mm -hmm. And so the way that that works is we're going to actually look at where your four-letter preference is, and that's going to convert into a two-letter temperament. So if right now you are wondering, what is my four-letter preference? Don't wonder because you don't have access to it. But if you are listening today and you say, you know, I did Myers-Briggs. And I know what my four letters are, then good. Remember what those four letters are. And and as I kind of list these to you, go ahead and jot it down. So for those of you that have Myers-Briggs type, have identified using an assessment, ENFJ, ENFP, INFJ, or INFP, 
your two-letter temperament is going to be NF. So just write that down somewhere. Now, if your four-letter preference is ENTJ, ENTP, INTJ, or INTP, your two-letter temperament will be NT. So go ahead and write that down. Now, for those of you who identify as ESTJ, ESFJ, ISTJ, or ISFJ, you will identify your two-letter temperament as temperament SJ. So write that down. And the final one is ESTP, ESFP, ISTP, or ISFP. Your temperament would be temperament SP. So we have NF, NT, SJ, and SP. So did I get those right, Margie? You did get those right. And you know, we should we should talk a little bit about um, how long that temperament has been around. And I believe, Mike, if I'm correct, it's probably 2,500 years ago, uh, all the way back to Hippocrates. Right. It's like ancient Greek medicine, right? Yeah, he was a, you're right. He was a Greek physician and he started to notice these uh, distinct personalities and you know, back then, uh, you may remember these, I, I don't recall them, but he used body fluids to, to name the temperaments. Yeah. And so that's where when you would see somebody with some sort of medical issue, I don't know how they did. It. I would imagine they would look at fluid, whether they drew blood or had somebody cough up a lung or something. <laughs> so I think the, the, the way they looked at it was choleric. And then there was melancholic. And then we had sanguine. And what was the last one? Phlegmatic. So phlegm, sangra is blood, I believe, in mm-hmm. Greek. Um, choleric, I, I don't know where that comes from. <laughs> and then melancholic. And I, so I can't remember which ones correspond to which two-letter temperaments. But I have seen that before, which I guess if you think about it, so modern doctors, and you have a family of doctors, Margie, they take some sort of oath, don't they? Yes, they do. What do they call that? Uh, oh my goodness! <laughs> you asked. It's me. the I was going to say the hypochondriac oath, but that's not it. It's the Hippocratic <laughs> yeah, oath. Yeah, that's right. right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So I think this. Is, so I, you know, I know we're going way off topic today, yeah. but hey, we're in the middle of a crisis, and we we're not working right now, so we're just having a conversation. Uh, but so so anyway, we're, what we want to tell you is that this isn't something Margie and I created a couple of weeks ago. This whole idea is different. And, and even Myers-Briggs, you know, when Carl Jung was kind of doing his research mm-hmm. and it, we kind of think of him as like the first one that really started this thought about hardwired preference, mm-hmm. he was just exploring. He was curious. Mm-hmm. How is it that some people just seem to have a knack for doing things a certain way? And that's the beauty of this. When you start observing and you observe with a, uh, I guess, a spirit of curiosity, which I know that's a, a big word for you, Marty. You like that word, don't you? <laughs> well, I do think I, I try to be known as the curiosity coach. So occasionally, occasionally I use that word. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So curiosity means I don't want to make an assumption about it. I just want to explore it. That's where we are. So you're thinking, okay, quit rambling. Talk about what you want to talk about. Yeah. So here's the deal. If you're listening to this podcast today, you were either A, an HR professional, or B, you're the boss. And for your purposes, you might have to be the rock in your organization when everything is going crazy. 
So if you have an additional insight window, this could give you some additional tools that you can use. Now, we wanted to use the analogy of salty and sweet. So salty, you kind of can almost taste that right now. And then you have sweet. So when it comes to these four temperaments, I'm going to have Margie talk to you about the sweet side. What are some of the contributions and gifts that that particular temperament will show us? And then I'll go ahead and talk about the salt. These are some of the areas where they can be challenged. And when they're challenged, and we'll talk about what challenges them, what they will show you. And then we'll talk about things that you can do as the leader to help a person through this. And we want to frame today's talk primarily around uncertainty, primarily around ambiguity, because that's the world that we're living in now. And so if it's okay with you, Margie, why don't we start with temperament NF? And if you would tell us what that looks like, tell us some things that somebody who's identified that temperament as theirs might be showing you. Okay, great. So when I think of the NF, and this is the uh, intuition and feeling combined, this temperament uh, sees the possibilities in people and in organizations. There are catalysts, uh, there are bridge builders, they have a high need uh, to help people. Uh, They typically uh, illustrate and demonstrate enthusiasm and appreciation, they create and they have a need to have harmony uh, and they like keep to keep people working together and getting along. So when we look at some core needs that they have, we think of that as identity and meaning and authenticity. So given this uncertainty that we have right now, you may have seen some of this um, before all of this um, COVID-19 virus uh, came about, you may have seen people like this on your team and within your organization. And you, you may be even thinking of a few names right now. But given that we have this uncertainty, uh, some things could be happening. And that may be that you're seeing some of the, the more salty side of them. It's, those are terms that Mac and I like to use. And, you know, even in particular, since we're having to um, self-quarantine ourselves right now, and most of us are working remotely, some of these core needs and things that their contributions that they bring, they might be missed or they might be overlooked. And this is when you might start to see that salty side and I'm going to pass that over to Mac because that's the part he um, he's going to talk about with us. Right. Yeah. So the salty side is, of course, when I'm not getting what really lights my fire. So with temperament NF and and I can speak to this one on a very personal level. This is the one that I've identified. Mm-hmm. Um, we like the idea that we are always growing. We're always becoming. We're becoming who we really should be. It's a quest. It's a journey and creativity and connections with others, not just verbal connections, but a deeper connection. So here we are. We are now many of us isolated. We're, we're missing that right now. Mm-hmm. And so what we often do to be able to overcompensate for things like that is maybe we, we put a mask on. Remember, one of the core needs, like Margie said, is this self-identification, self-value, self-knowledge. 
And now we don't have that anymore. So we may put on a face. We may put on a mask. We might have to change to be able to be who we are. We may avoid conflict. If somebody wants to have a tough conversation with us, we might dodge around it. We might not want to confront that. We may allow people to do things we might not ordinarily let them do because we don't want to harm them. We, we may find ourselves holding back bad news and not telling somebody how bad really things could be because that could lead to a conflict. And that makes us really, really uncomfortable. So the salty side of that is sometimes we go to the point where we're not even true to who we are. And, and so, you know, maybe you've seen some of your friends that are on Facebook because right now many of you are probably getting most of your social interaction through your social media. You might see a married couple that, you know, and the one spouse is talking about the other and how special they are. And in this horrible time, they're being extra nice and kind. And then you think, wait a minute, I live next door to these people. <laughs> and I know damn well, this is not what's really going on here. So they're putting on this facade. Remember, a facade is just a front and behind it, there's something totally different. And if you are in this particular temperament, that's a very painful thing for you to do. But what you're doing is protecting yourself. So I don't know, Marky, does that sound like temperament NF in a, in a bit of uncertainty? Yes, it does, Mac. I, and like you said, you, you identify with this temperament. I do as well. And I know even though probably 50% of my work is remote, uh, coaching on the phone or doing things over um, a social media platform, I miss uh, that connection with people because some of my face-to-face, in fact, I had a three-hour workshop scheduled to, you know, for today. And now it's delayed until most likely May. And I was already, I look on the floor and, and the box of their reports and workbooks are packed in the box. And I look over and, and I wish I could be with them today. So I'm missing that part of helping others and, um, you know, having an appreciation and for all the types that they're bringing to my workshop and, and, you know, building bridges, because they're going to be, they're in a long-term program uh, for 10 months, and they're going to be together for a while, once a month. And I really wanted to be there to help build the bridges with them. And so it's hard. Well, and it's interesting, because when I had, even I think it was yesterday, I talked to you, I said, uh-huh. hey, why don't we do a podcast <laughs> on the temperaments? It wasn't like, eh, no, I'm, I don't, I don't feel like it. You were like, yeah, let's do it, right? <laughs> oh, I couldn't wait to have the collaboration and the connection with, you know, another person. And, you know, this is different because even though I have the connection with coaching clients, it's different. I have to be there for them. And I can't interject, you know, any of my own ideas or, uh, or opinions or, or thoughts, really. I'm there, you know. For whatever their agenda is. So it's a little different. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe some things that, that we can do. So let's say you're listening to this and saying, well, this doesn't sound like me, but it definitely sounds like a couple of my team members. You know, what are some things that we can do for them to, to help them through? And, and maybe one is, you know, help them engage in some sort of meaningful activity. So they're not going to respond well to busy work. 
but something that's meaningful. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and maybe we can just sort of reaffirm the fact that they're unique and say, you know, I, I have a task for you right now. It's something that's going to require you to engage our customers. I want you to get a sense of how they're feeling right now in this really difficult time and see if you can get a read on them. Uh, a temperament NF, they're going to say, really? You mean you're going to pay me to do that? <laughs> right? They'd, they'd be kind of excited about that. Or maybe I want you to set up a virtual meeting with the team and let's take a moment and just sort of take stock of how we're all doing right now. And you'd probably say, yeah, it sounds like a good deal. So I don't know. What do you think, Marty? Do you think that we're the only two crazy people on this planet with <laughs> NF or might there be a few others? I think there are a few others. Uh, definitely. I uh, it's not as big, um, uh, you know, two of the others are much bigger than this, this temperament, though, that first thing you said just really hit me in the chest, because as soon as you mentioned this yesterday, the very first thing, I mean, I hopped right on it. And I was so excited, because it was given me and probably you too, I, I, I'm not going to speak for you, but it gave us a chance to engage in a meaningful activity where we could collaborate and talk and share. But not only that, that we could use it in a way, uh, we're getting our core needs met, and but in an unselfish way. So it's in a meaningful way, because what we're hoping from all of this is that we're going to help somebody else. Yeah. Well, if right now you're listening to this and you're saying, now this, I'm about ready to shut this podcast off because this is a bunch of touchy-feely crap. then we're going to talk about you next because the next two letter temperament is temperament NT. So a most certainly different animal than temperament NF, right, Margie? They definitely are. And uh, so this is uh, the combination of intuition and thinking. So yes, very different. Although I have to say uh, I've been doing this now for seven years They have um, become, don't tell anybody, but almost my favorites. At first, I was terrified of them. Uh, I'd look in the audience and I could always spot, oh, I know that has to be that NT temperament right there. But, um, you know, I really appreciate what they bring. So for them, they really, um, if you can get used to it and learn to appreciate it, they intellectualize everything. And it's really cool to watch them do that. What you will find is uh, they do ask the question, and you know this is not my favorite way to start a question, but they ask a lot of why questions. And, uh, you know, we think of them, uh, when we think of temperament, there are systems builders. Um, They like to build systems and keep teams functioning in their work. Uh, There are long-range strategic planners, we think of them uh, as uh, visionary architects. And, you know, that's a, those are a lot of fancy titles. But really what it comes down to with them is like the NF, um, they have specific core needs and values that are very important to them. And those are mastery and competence and autonomy and expertise and When I think of, you know, those folks um, and perhaps now, even if they're needing to work remotely, um, they're going to push back and they might start to challenge some of that um, 
They're not going to like it if there are roadblocks in that, and they might critique those types of things. And they uh, might miss that that ability to constantly be in a work environment where they're able to discuss things at that high intellectual level. Uh, so if you're managing them and or, or on a team with them as a team member, um, if they start to appear aloof, which you may have already seen that in the workplace, but you may see it even more. Uh, if they're not, if they're out working remotely and, you know, maybe that takes it over to where you might want to talk a little bit about the salty side. Yeah, well, this is definitely one of the most fun temperaments to play around with. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the analogy I'm, I'm kind of thinking of right now is like, and of course, we can't even go to the gym anymore. They've shut the gyms down. But mm-hmm. but the temperament NT is sort of like the bodybuilder that stands in front of the mirror and flexes their muscles, right? Mm-hmm. Only their muscles are between their ears. Mm-hmm. So they love an opportunity to flex, oh, they right? Do. Like, let me show you how big my biceps are. <laughs> but they're going to show you by like, oh, that's a really difficult problem. Okay, I got this. Right. So, I mean, if you want to inspire them, this is what you say. You say, I bet you can't figure out a solution for this. Mm-hmm. And they'll be like, okay, hold my beer. Right. <laughs> exactly. So, so we, we talk in, in some of the workshops about, you know, some of the people who kind of display characteristics. And one of these is uh, Walt Disney. Right. And so there's a story we tell where Walt Disney is in the storyboard room as they are getting ready to shoot the animated film Pinocchio. And there's, one of the scenes in the in the mm. well, it's a cartoon movie, right, where Geppetto has this clock, and every time mm-hmm. it hits the top of the hour, all these little heads pop out. So he says to his designers, all of whom are probably temperament NT, he's like, "Well, it's a good thing this is an animated film because I bet none of you guys could ever build something like that for real." So what do <laughs> they hear? All right, hold my beer, Walt. Two weeks later, they show up and say, hey, take a look at what we did. And he's like, oh, I knew you guys could do it. I just wanted to see how long it would take you. So, you know, an opportunity to display my competence. Mm-hmm. So so let's go to the salty side. Right now, we don't know much of anything. In fact, the people that we assume know what's going on don't really know everything that's going on. So now that I don't know what I'm doing, and yet I will never fully admit that, we're going to start seeing the salty side of workplace behaviors, things like nitpicking, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, I've got a project, I got to turn it in, but I'm not ready because down deep inside, I got this feeling it may not be right. So I'm going to just sit here forever tweaking the thing and it's not going to get done. Uh, maybe engaging in debates like over and over, trying to show you how strong I am. Um, we sometimes look at people and they'll, they'll overcompensate. We, we sometimes refer to that as being super intellectual. So I would see this with my dad, who I believe was a temperament NT and he never finished high school, which I think bothered him his entire adult life. And so what he would do, and I could see now that I can look back with this lens that I've learned, I can see my dad where he would get his dictionary he'd look up big words and he'd begin to use his big words in social circles where he knew it was a bunch of college educated people and he would throw big words out. And when they didn't know what it meant, he'd make fun of them. So this is what you may see is when I don't feel like I have control over things, then I'm going to start debating. I'm going to start going through some of these things and almost going totally devoid of emotion. Uh, Some people refer to that as going robotic and that can be very disconcerting. 
And so you can't let these behaviors go unchecked, just like you can't let any of the temperament misbehaviors go unchecked. So we, we have to help them, Margie. What are some things that we might do to help temperament NT start feeling like they have a little bit of control and have an opportunity to use their competence? Yeah. So thinking about your dad, definitely um, confirming their competence. And uh, I think that, you know, is, is very important. Um, you know, demonstrate to them um, uh, that you appreciate that intellectual debate that they're bringing and the knowledge and the expertise and, and give them specific examples of a time that you, you, you saw these things. Um, I would say be sure that you are specific and, and genuine uh, because uh, they're going to spot any fakeness in that and they're not going to like that. So give them some autonomy. And probably one of the most important things, I think, um, if you're finding someone demonstrating that salty side is find something complicated, uh, <laughs> some type of problem and give it to them and give them the autonomy to go off and figure out a way to solve it because uh, that they will do for you. Yeah. And it, I, in my experience, it doesn't take very long for them to get the conf- the confidence back. It just give them something that's broken. Mm-hmm. And even if you know you can fix it, don't let on, just let them mm-hmm. know, Hey, I don't know what to do. Um, I need your help. That'll get them. They get back in the game fairly quickly. Yes, they do. And I think that thinking part um, helps them with that where, you know, we were talking about the NF earlier, they might hold on to something a little longer. The NT, not so much. They'll think about it a minute, but I, I, I see them more as, okay, that's okay. I'll show you. But they don't do it in a, a, a spiteful way. Um you know, you were saying something earlier too, even if you know how, go ahead and give it to them. Again, be genuine um, Mm -hmm. when you're, you know, giving them, you know, any kind of comments about their mastery or their expertise. Otherwise, um, they might come back at you. (laughs) They they got a pretty good bullshit meter, don't they? Yes, they, they do. They have a very strong bullshit meter. I can't believe I just said that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Yeah. But I think that's, I mean, sometimes blunt helps, doesn't it? Right. It does help. You know, I think with them, I never, I always know where I stand. uh, And I appreciate that. Uh, I always know if there's something they're going to let me know. And Um, it's interesting too, when you, because we've experienced this in some of the, the work we've done together, where you get someone who sees the light, for example, with temperament, Mm -hmm. like, they keep reaching out to you. Have you noticed that too? They just want to keep knowing more. They do. They do. Yeah. So, I mean, these are, again, there is no one temperament that's better than the others, but man, it ain't going to hurt you if you have a few of these people on your team because they're just, they're some really great folks. I I have to agree, but don't tell the other temperaments. (laughs) That's right. Well, thank goodness nobody's listening to this podcast, right? (laughs) Holy cow. All right. Well, we do have two other temperaments we want to talk about. So why don't we we go back to those? Why don't we start with temperament SJ then? So we've done the two with the N's. Now we're going to do the two with the S's. So we have temperament SJ. So tell us a little bit about this temperament, Margie. Okay. So this is the uh, 
combined preferences of sensing and judging. And in temperament, uh, these observable behaviors that you're going to see is this is a a person that uh, provides structure. And they are thought of our, our stabilizers, uh, they're accountability people, um, uh, dependable. They're the ones that uh, will handle the day-to-day logistics of getting the work done in the workplace. So for them, uh, specific core needs that they have are belonging and a sense of duty and a sense of responsibility. Um, So I happen to live with an SJ temperament, and I have permission to share stories I do all the time in my workshops. And I know for by living a very long time with this person, that that ability uh, for stability is very important to him. And when there's not stability, like in times right now of uncertainty, and we, we don't know you know, I was saying day to day, but it almost feels like hour to hour anymore of what's going to happen. Um, that is a time uh, that's uh, that's challenging. And I would say, um, you know, for for this temperament that in these times, if they're having to work from home or if their work is changing in some way, um you're going to see that salty side of them come out. And uh, I know what my experience is, and I'll be curious to what you you have to say about this is I start to see some micromanaging and really trying to get in control of something, however small it might be. So how do you see it, Mac? Well, uh, just like you, uh, my life partner, my wife has identified as temperament SJ as well. So Uh Um, very much what you have already told us, you know, it's mm-hmm. when, when temperament SJ is in their zone, mm-hmm. everything is running as an orderly mm-hmm. machine. Mm-hmm. And that's when they're, I mean, that's, well, I'm not going to say that's when they're at their best. Cause I really believe they can be at their best when there is an order, as mm-hmm. long as they understand how to manage that. And mm-hmm. so, um, what we see is now that things are chaotic, um, People usually look to me as the one who's got the answers. And when I don't have the answer, then I might let you know that verbally, not by saying I don't know the answer, but by bringing to the forefront all of the many problems we have to deal with. Mm -hmm. So even though I don't know how to solve them, I'm going to tell you what they are. At least that's kind of what I've seen, not just in my temperament SJ partner, but in some of the colleagues that I have that, that have this. So when we don't have that, we want to start putting order onto something. Let me just organize something. Even something as simple as, well, I've been meaning to organize this closet. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and, and I'm going to spend my day getting this closet organized. <laughs> um, or the other thing I see, I don't know if you are is like, well, we need to do this in verbalizing or, or you need to do this or you ought to be doing this right now. And, and sometimes holding back delegation by saying, I'm going to do this. Because remember, where, where they're in their sweet spot is when they are in charge and when they are respected. When people say, there's my leader over there. And that's where they feel really good. And their sense of duty to others. So uh, I can share this, even though I don't have permission, but I'm just going to take permission. <laughs> uh, so this morning, uh, my wife and I were talking about 
the crisis. And she knew that we were going to do this podcast. And, mm-hmm. and I told her how we were going to kind of go through it. And I says, yeah, we'll talk. So, uh, you know, for example, if, you know, a temperament NF, you know, even though they know it's dangerous, they want to go and help an elderly person by doing some shopping for them and bringing food. She says, oh, no, no, no. I, I, I don't agree with that because that's exactly what I would do. In fact, I went on Facebook and I put out there, if you have an elderly neighbor, you need to go. And I called the next door neighbor and said, if you know some old people that can't get to the store, you tell me. And I'm right there. I says, oh, no, no, no. I get it. I said, let me ask you this. When you bring them their food, how are you going to handle it next? She's like, well, just ring the doorbell and tell them it's out there and go. I says, okay, I'd expect that. I says, temperament NF, they'd want to go in and maybe at least say, hey, I'm here. Is there anything else you need? Do you want to talk about how you're feeling right now? She's like, oh, no, no. I'm just going to, you know, because they they need their food. They need their medications. So it's that sense of duty. So it goes to a point, but it's because I I should be doing this. And I think that's the gift that SJ brings us, right? Is, boy, I'm going to be the most loyal person. I'm going to be the one that is there when nobody else is there for you. And and I'm going to let you know that too, by the way, just so that you know that that's kind of the flex thing they do in the mirror at the gym. They want you to know that, hey, I'm taking care of things for you. So it, it's funny to because we can see it play off, play out in real life. And now we have this lens of, of knowledge that we can say, OK, it's funny to see that coming through. I mean, it's not funny, funny, but it's it's interesting, funny, curious. Yes, it is. And, you know, when I could see as you were describing um, your wife, Barb, and that sense of responsibility. uh, Yet, I, I, I identify, you know, with what you're saying, that sense of responsibility from a practical standpoint. The practical standpoint is it's done and it's here and you have it. And it, for me, if I, I might not go inside if I thought I might um, infect myself and then affect, you know, then infect other people with the virus, though I could not leave it. I would have to stay a few minutes, talk to them maybe through the glass, make sure they're okay. You know, I might even sit on their front porch in a chair and chat with them for a while because for me, I would need that um, bridge build. I would need to build a bridge with them, a connection, and uh, before I could leave. And I'm not saying that the SJ temperament wouldn't do that, but in general, it's more of that practical side of, okay, the sense of duty and responsibility has been done. Now I can move to the next one. So more of the practical. Yeah. And, and I think, I think too, it's important because you had mentioned this earlier that we have access to all of this. Of it's not like, well, I'm, I'm SJ, so I don't do that. You could say I'm SJ and you know what, I'm going to do this because even though it's not, I'm not super comfortable doing it. I just know it's the right thing to do. Yeah. You know, I had a thought. So, you know, I think perhaps what I was trying to say is they might have a list of five people that they're, they're doing this for. So for them, it would be more, more meeting their core need of, okay, I'm getting this done and checking the box and not in a not meaningful way, but for them, it's the responsibility that I got this done. For me, it would be if I could only touch, it's different. If I could only touch one and, and that would be meaningful for me. And, you know, I think back not to, 
hijack your story, if you don't mind, I, I story came to mind and I never thought of this before, but, and a lot of people don't know this about me, but I used to be um, a licensed nurse and I can remember times I, I worked on psych, but I would float out and eventually I did end up on, on a med search floor, but I would float out sometimes uh, to other floors and I would find myself getting in trouble and not keeping up with getting around to all my patients like I probably should be because I had that need to build a bridge with every patient. And that took a lot longer to do, you know, my nightly rounds of checking vitals and passing meds and all the things I needed to do. Uh, I mean, I did do it. Uh, It just that it took me a lot longer um, on midnights, it was low staff. So we would split the floor in half, another nurse and I. And I noticed she always got finished so much quicker than me. It's because I spent so much more time building that that connection with each patient. She was much more practical in getting, you know, and efficient at getting her work done than me. Okay. If that, does that make sense? It does. It yeah. does. And yet both of you would go through this with the intent to make the patient better, right? Yes. Yeah. Our, our intent was the same. Mm-hmm. It, was an, it was a different approach. And I think that's what you and I are hoping to convey to other people. The work can get done. It just might get done differently. Yeah. And this yeah. is what we're trying to give you is like the key that unlocks the nuances here, because again, none of these four temperaments come to work. I mean, unless there's something really wrong with them to say, boy, I, I'd love to cause as much havoc today as possible. Yes. <laughs> you know, they, they just do what, you know, what comes natural. They serve in the way that they are gifted and they are aware. Yes. And, you know, I hope too, what we're doing today is helping people increase their self-awareness mm-hmm. and say, boy, you know, I had no idea this is how I was showing up sometimes. No wonder I get strange looks. <laughs> When I say something, you know, there's, there's no normal here. There is the normal that you're wired to give us. And the awareness is such a gift. I I think this is, I I really hope. And if you're listening to this and they're not enjoying it, uh, I just gotta let you know, I am, maybe it's all about me, right? Well, I know. I love how you said that because you might, it, it, this is how we're hardwired and we can't change that. And a lot of people will tell me, oh, I changed, I've changed. Not necessarily. You're, this is hardwired. You, you've either learned and flexed over and learned to use the um, other preferences a little more, you know, or you've been forced to uh, given circumstances. So, you know, what you're saying is what we have to learn is get that self-awareness and then learn to manage it uh, and learn to appreciate and respect what everybody's bringing. And when we see the salty side, be willing, be compassionate and use our empathy skills and give them what they need as best as we can. Yeah. Even if it doesn't seem like it's comfortable for you, remember, it's sort of like going to a foreign country and attempting to use their language. They'll get it and they'll be appreciative. Even if you get it kind of off and wrong, you're, you're at least showing the effort. Yes. Yeah. And that's, that's, I think that's what we need to convey today. So with, with SJ, let's, let's, so what are some things that we can do for them? So now they're and if, well, I'm not going to say that they're the ones that are probably taking this 
current crisis we're dealing with now the hardest, but they could be with just the amount of uncertainty. What are some things that we can do for them, Margie, that would help them kind of get back to their strength? Okay. So, uh, yeah. So because I live with this person, some ideas I think that would be helpful for our listeners out there is one, you might ask them, what is it that you need? So I'm noticing I I use this uh, with a lot more success than, you know, uh, having the response I used to have, which was not that one, but asking what I'm noticing that this is happening what do you need right now? And, or how can I make you feel useful or give you that need that you belong or give you the stability that you need? Um, that's one, one thing I think that's worked and it works well when I work with teams and suggest that they do this, help them be of service, help them, I, uh, you know, be able to demonstrate that sense of duty and responsibility and don't take offense to their, um, their need to have that, you know, that accountability and stability, use that to your advantage. Um, mention to them, this is another one that's very important and you probably um, will see what you have to say, have the same experience in, in living with an SJ is, you know, mention to them specifically what they do and how you value that contribution. Even if you have to do it more than once. I, I know with home repairs, uh, and I appreciate those home repairs, but sometimes I have to go look at them twice and acknowledge that whatever was done, it's very important to that SJ temperament, you know, to Keep, kind of keep some of that salty uh, stuff uh, at bay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Appreciation is, is yeah. Well, I think I mean, it almost goes into that love language of acts of service, right? Yes. yes, very much. So they show you, they love you by doing things for you. And mm-hmm. what makes them happy is when you say, man, that you have no idea how good I feel. Thank you for, you know, we've had this at home. Thank you for managing our stock portfolio. Because that's that's what my temperament SJ. That's I mean, it's her gift is mm-hmm. the stocks, and you know, she. I think you know that that's that makes her feel good. Thank you for taking care of our finances. That's a good thing. <laughs> it, it's one thing, true. one thing we might do too. To laugh. I don't mean to laugh because it's um, it's a it's ser- it's a serious thing. Uh, yet, if we don't find some humor in it, sometimes I think. We can all take all of it a little bit too seriously. Well, it is funny. I mean, you have to admit every one of these temperaments, when they show you that salty side, it's funny to see the things that they do. (laughs) Just and and we're going to when we get to SP, we're going to we're going to have some fun with that because what they show you is legitimately funny. (laughs) I mean, not just funny, strange. It's funny, funny. But but I, but with with SJ and with the other three or the other three we've talked about, yeah, they're they're going to show you things. You're going to say, "Where did that come from?" Mm. But the solution to bring them back into into calibration is so simple. Thank you for taking care of this for us. You're so smart. We're so fortunate to have you on the team. Hey, thank you for making sure all of us are feeling good on the inside. Right? It's those things that that make people get back to where they need to be and. If you're listening to this and you're a leader, you better pay attention because you're going to need to play all four of these cards. 
Uh, yes. Yes. And it goes to, you have this beautiful uh, motivation wheel that I know you share a lot when you do uh, your trainings. And, you know, when we do this work with temperament as well, when you know these things, and we don't suggest that people use them for manipulation purposes by any means, what, what we're saying is really know what those core needs are. You're going to get the most of your people uh, at work and, uh, you know, home's going to be a lot happier if you just recognize what their core needs are and do your best to meet them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, without the expectation, it'll be reciprocated, but you have a much greater chance of getting it reciprocated if you're the one that takes the lead and puts it out there first. Yes. So, you know, I feel like if you have the knowledge uh, and we're providing that with you today, it's, it's almost on you to take the lead. Yeah. One last little tidbit for Temperament SJ is this would be the the group to ask, hey, can you organize some sort of uh, community outreach we're going to do in this time of crisis? Mm -hmm. And boy, I'll tell you what, that's what they're looking for. You mean organize something? Yeah, I need you. You're you're so gifted at helping things get together and taking care of the details. This is something we really could use. And right away, you're going to see their mood really improve because now what do they have? They have control of something again. Yeah. I, I, I love that. You know, that need for them um, to feel that sense of duty is going to really be yeah. fulfilled in doing something like that. Well, let's take a look at our last two letter temperament, which is temperament SP. Okay. Um, I think this is, is this the one that is the smallest in terms of representation? I can't remember which one. I, I think it, I, it's it's a toss up, you know, and I know that uh, this was all revised and now we're looking at it from a global perspective. So the stats on it have changed a little bit. But between uh, NF, uh, you know, the biggest representation, I think, is the SJ temperament. Um, yeah, I'm looking at some stats. So, yeah, SJ has 40 to 45 yeah, percent of the population. Next NT. Yeah. So NT, yeah. let's see, I'm looking at NT. NT actually is uh, five to 10% of the population. So it, Okay. So then in, so where's the NF in that? NF, let me Those look have here. definitely changed. From- yeah, they have. So I'm using the stats from a few years ago. So okay. I have NF as, right. yeah. So NF is, is 15 to 20% of the population. Okay. NT, according to this is the smallest five to 10. Mm-hmm. SJ then represents 40 to 45%. Mm-hmm. SP has 30%. So yeah, I thought they were smaller, but yeah, your stats are more are newer than these. So Yeah, I forgot we did you all. I think you did those calculations. You probably had Barb help you, but <laughs> Well, I will tell you these are old too, so <laughs> you know, when these were done the moral population was probably not what it is today. So we and we have more data every time right. a person takes the online assessments through the Myers-Briggs Corporation. I think they keep tracking these data. They do. So, yeah. they do. so I, I'd be curious. I'm sure you can um, look through because you have access to these things. I'd be curious to see what they are, regardless <laughs> whether SP is 30 percent, 90 percent or 1 percent. <laughs> they are going to look like 100 percent when they're <laughs> when they're in their space. Right. I Yes, they they will. They um, those uh that that so that's the sensing and the perceiving uh, combined, and yes, they are the um, 
I call them the troubleshooters. Um, they uh, have this unique ability to respond to things in the moment. Um, we see them uh, a lot as first responders uh, because they are they are there in the moment and uh, they they're flexible. They can swiftly handle unexpected things. They can generate solutions. Uh, quickly on the spot because um, they have that practical side of them yet that with that perceiving they bring that spontaneity with it, with them as well so uh, for them their core needs are freedom um, spontaneity um, active involvement uh, in the moment what I see really for them uh, aside from the freedom is that I would say a definite core need is the ability to make an impact. And, <laughs> and, you know, sometimes that's thought of as make an impression. And we don't mean to say make an impression um, in the way you might be thinking about it is they really, when they come in, they swiftly want to do something. They want it to have a big impact and they want that impact to be noticed. So, with them and, and with this uncertainty, uh, don't let it be lost on you because they have um, this spontaneity and they're flexible and can handle the unexpected. You have to think about with the uncertainty um, and if they're out of their normal workplace, maybe working remotely uh, at work already, they might seem a little harder to manage. Um, <laughs> and we laugh because we've seen this. Um, but out of the workplace, out of sight of you, they it might become a little harder to manage because um, some they might even uh, under, you know, the conditions we're under and the stress and uncertainty, they might even be a little too much expedient about things. So that might take us, I guess, over to um, your salty side, because if they're, you know, remote, I would think um, they might get bored and want to stir things up. I don't know. What do you think, Mac? <laughs> 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 yeah, I'm coughing. Maybe, again, it's allergy season, but yeah, I laugh because they do things to make you laugh. And, and I think sometimes that's the reaction that they want. But more mm -hmm. than that, I think the reaction they want is they want you to pay attention. Yes. They, they want to make sure you know that they are there. And so in the short run, in this time of uncertainty, the, the temperament that is probably going to be the most comfortable with the uncertainty and not knowing from day to day what's going to happen would probably be this temperament. Because for them, a bad day is the day that looks just like the day before. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we say that they make the smallest, in terms of representation, the smallest percentage of the teaching workforce. And, you know, you can imagine that somebody with a temperament in T is they are getting ready to do their, you know, their first day of school when they graduate college and they, you know, they're next door to Mrs. Wallace and they say, Mrs. Wallace, I'm the new fourth grade teacher. You know, what do you love most about teaching? And Mrs. Wallace says, oh, it's the most special thing because uh, and by the way, Temperament SJ is the largest representation of teachers. But Mrs. Wallace said, and Mrs. Wallace was my second grade teacher, by the way. See, I, when I'm old, I can remember Mrs. Wallace, but I can't remember where I put my keys. But uh, anyway, back to Mrs. Wallace, she says, well, the most special thing about teaching is 
did you know that last year I had the daughter of one of my very first students in this very same classroom? And that temperament SP is like, you got to be kidding me. You've been in this room for 30 years. Oh, yes. Yeah. For them, they just that doesn't work. And so uh, anything that puts routine onto the comfortable chaos in which they tend to thrive is going to bring about the salty behaviors. Mm-hmm. And what we have seen is basically they're going to show up in a big way. Uh, so if you are if you are a regular listener of HR Oxygen, you can go back to episode number three or four. That was my friend Brian Grissett. And, and Brian Grissett is my case study of temperament SP. So really quick, Brian was my one of my boyhood friends and his dad was older. They were always referred to Brian as their mistake. So when Brian was my age, this is like fifth grade. His dad was in his 60s already, and Brian's older brothers and sisters were adults. So Brian was just running crazy. And, you know, Brian's dad was the mayor of Santa Ana, California. He was a leader in the church that I grew up in. And so Brian would wait for opportunities to embarrass his dad, who tried to put him in a box. He'd, he'd right in front of his dad, in front of all the important people, he'd say, Dad, you made us late, you big fat man. Um, and, and then one year it was a seventh grade, uh, summer camp. So we're, we're in Southern California and we're at, I can't remember the name of the campsite, but either way, when we got off the bus, the head of the camp came up, he said, all right, guys, it was very important. When you go to your cabin, you will notice there's fire alarms. Now do not ever pull that fire alarm, no matter what, unless there is a fire, because if you pull it, the San Bernardino fire department's got to come all the way up here and this is fire season. And if they're up here and they're missing a fire, people could die. So no matter what, do not touch that fire alarm. So the guy leaves and all of us grab our uh, sleeping bags and whatever we were carrying, we're heading off to the cabin. And I was watching Brian and it's almost like he knew exactly what he was going to do. He walked right over to the first fire alarm he saw without stopping, stopped, dropped his bag, looked around at everybody and pulled the fire alarm. He just couldn't help himself. So this is what you see when you have, uh, generally speaking, temperament SJs trying to put some order onto the chaos. If they're not comfortable in that order, what are they going to do? They're going to show you that. And and some people refer to it as shock and awe. Mm. Like, I'm just going to demonstrate how much in the box I am and how much I hate this. And I'm going to embarrass you. So uh, things like, you know, you can't make me do this. I'm not following that. That doesn't make any sense. That's stupid. Um, Or maybe even when they do something, they'll blame everybody else for the fact that you made me, you made me pull the fire alarm or whatever it is. It's just, it's funny to watch, but sometimes you're on the receiving end and it's very embarrassing. Mm -hmm. So uh, again, you've got to be careful because the tighter you try to constrict these people, the harder they're going to push back on you. So we've got to be able to treat them a little differently and we've got to be able to help them in a very unique way. So that's the salt. It's a funny salt, but, (laughs) but it's salty all the same. So Margie, from where you sit, what are some things we might be able to do to uh, help this person sort of get back in line without telling them get back in line? Yeah. As you were describing that, it, it sounded like that, you know, when you're dealing with toddlers, you can't make me, you can't make me. (laughs) (laughs) Only these are adult toddlers, right? (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. And not to take away from all the contributions that they do bring uh, yet, 
uh, putting them in a box is not going to work well. So for you, uh, that salt's going to feel like it's being poured right into maybe one of your little wounds, maybe a cut on your, your finger or something, and those already hurt bad enough. So when you think about them uh, at work and given the uncertainty right now, perhaps some of them are working at home, keep in mind their contributions and how they um, can uh handle things that come up unexpectedly um, and generate solutions. So tap into that, give them the freedom that they need um, as much as you can offer them new challenges. They like, they like challenges. And um, one thing I do find with them is less talking uh, works well. I don't try to put them in a box. The more you try to do that, uh, if you try to engage in power struggles and uh, do a lot of talking, that's not going to work well. Give them something so they can be actively involved. Remember, that's a, a core need, active involvement. So give them that. Give them the freedom. Keep it challenging. Uh, keep it short term. Uh, these are um, they're troubleshooters, so they like short range projects. Um, so. Keep that in mind uh, and hand those over to them. Um, focus on that, uh, you know, for to help them be impressive in whatever way that you can. Um, you know, there are policies and procedures, and we we have to follow them too, Mac. You and I, even though we don't have, we are our own boss, and if we don't follow them, it's going to mean trouble. So. At the end of the day, they do still need to follow those, but just um, you may need to approach them a little differently, acknowledge, hear them out. Yet, you know, uh, you might need to specifically state um, some policies because we're not suggesting that you let them um, not obey any of those in the workplace and get by with that. We're just saying where you can, uh, you want to manage them well, do the things I told you and Max suggested of freedom challenges, uh, and keep it, you know, some type of active involvement. And I think you'll learn to, to manage them well, um, especially now when things are probably a little more stressful. Yeah. Well, and that's, I think that's the beauty of, of understanding this. And, you know, it's, I hope it's not lost on the audience that when we said salty and sweet, <laughs> um, I think of, again, a, uh, salted sea salt caramels, which mm. is probably my favorite kind of candy. Mm -hmm. um, that it's that beautiful blend. And so when we bring the salty and sweet of each of these temperaments, the end result is an awesome experience. Mm -hmm. But but you as the leader, you listening to the podcast, this is for you to bring this harmony about. And if you look at the four different temperaments we've described today and you put them in a sequence where they fit, you have got absolutely everybody on the team you need. You've got the SJs who will plan the plan of attack. You have the temperament NFs who are going to make sure that everybody's feeling okay as you're going through the journey. You have the intellect of the NT to be able to make sure all of the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. And then you have temperament SP who's there if everything starts to fall apart to come in at the last minute and save the day. You want a winning team, you better have all four on that winning team. 
Because if not, you're missing such a crucial component yeah, and, for success. And, and I be- yeah. I believe you mentioned this earlier too, Mac, is be curious. Don't start your workday tomorrow and have everybody uh, in a temperament category. You know, check with them. Use that. I'm noticing you do things a certain way. And here's what I notice. Here's what I see you know, confirm some of this because you, they have not taken an official assessment or they've not gone through, you know, any type of training with a trained facilitator that's certified uh, to use this. So be careful in putting them in one of those um, categories that Mark, uh, Mac described to you. Um, Just base some of your, what you're seeing on observable behaviors so remember, this is how people show up and then change your management style a little and see if it works. Yeah. Yeah. You have the capacity to flex as well. So yeah. this is uh, this is how it's done. And and maybe one last thing to to wrap this up. You know, your two letter temperament is not an excuse. So, you know, we would not let temperament SP come in and say, hey, sorry, I'm late. But, you know, us SPs, <laughs> you know, we just don't follow your stupid rules. So, you know, you as the boss have to set these are the standards. And, and with temperament SP, enforce the standards when there is not a crisis. At least let them know where the boundaries are. Because if you put the boundaries down in the crisis, you're asking for serious trouble. Um, and that's why when things are at a good place and and if things follow true, um, two years from now, those of you that are listening to this podcast in the year 2022, you're going to be like, God, Margie and Mac, they made it sound like 2020 was such a catastrophe. It was really nothing. (laughs) Um, and my hope is that's going to be the case, but the time to set the standards and policies is not when chaos is reigning. So when this ends, and I firmly believe that it will, that's the time to do this, the reset and, mm-hmm. you know, then really evaluate your team. But I think in the short term, certainly uh, observe, certainly be curious and and do a little inventory. You know, who do I got on the team? This is the time when you need the team to function well. And, uh, and we hope that that is going to be the result of what you got from our session today. So, Margie, it's been about an hour and eight minutes we've been on this talk. So I think the audience probably needs a bathroom break if they're listening <laughs> to this nonstop. But um, how can the audience reach out to you? We've mentioned that you're a coach, but you also offer workshops around Myers-Briggs type and Myers-Briggs temperament. Uh, where would the listeners go to hear more about you? Sure. They can go to my website, uh, www.wisdomtreecoaching.com. I'm on LinkedIn as Margie Bush. Um, you can, I on my website, you can find my telephone number, my email address. You can reach me uh, if you don't want to go to my website at Margie, and that's M-A-R-G-I at wisdomtreecoaching.com. And yes, Mac, I do. I give uh, workshops um, Anywhere from three hours to five hours. I've had groups. Uh, in fact, I had a group that uh, wanted me to come and spend two days with them. And I know when I mentioned that to you, you were like, what? But I what do did. you do for two days? My goodness. <laughs> <laughs> you, you probably remember that because I thought, how am I going to do this? But I did. I had them five hours each day and we had a ball. We went through 
so much of, I thought they would get tired of it, but they really didn't. So I do workshops around uh, just intro to type. I do type and temperament. I do type and communication, conflict management. I do stress. Uh, I've given stress to doctors, uh, uh, stress workshops using type and stress. And I have a couples workshop that I do with couples and helping them have an understanding. And just in this talk, you could see how We've described uh, our interactions with our couples, how helpful it is to, to be able to understand personality, um, to have better communications at work and at home. True. And you also have, uh, you have a, an assessment that is specifically for couples who are thinking about entering into a formal relationship. Oh, yes. Right? So, yes, that's called Symbus. So saving your marriage before it starts. And that is an assessment that can be used. Uh, actually, it can be used before marriage. It can be used after you're married. And it can even be used with a second marriage. So depending when you take the assessment, how you answer the questions uh, on the, the assessment, that's the report that it will generate. It's an in-depth report. It covers so many things. Mac, I know I shared it with you recently and you were surprised. Everything, every detail. Yeah, I'm, if you are true, hey, if you're truthful on that thing, there'll be no surprises based on that. That is a very detailed report. It's yeah. a very detailed report. Um, but I've used that that I'm glad you brought that up. I've used that with couples as well. Um, so it's a helpful report. And so yeah, thank you for bringing that up. And what about for kids? You've also got something for kids too, don't you? Yes. So I've been certified, I think, three or four years now with the MTIC. Uh, that's M-M-T-I-C. It's uh, named after uh, the creators. Yet it is um, uh, similar to Myers-Briggs, but it is to be used with children. So it can be used... Um, I typically like to have at least middle schoolers, but there are specific workbooks for uh, grade school, middle school, and high school. Uh, they're wonderful, beautiful color workbooks. Uh, there's, I have an online assessment site for that as well. And uh, typically that starts, uh, you wouldn't want to give it before, it says second semester or second grade, but I would prefer at least third grade. It really depends on reading level. But it's a great tool to use with um, kids and very helpful for parents uh, to take the assessment and then figure out when, um, just in particular, if you've got kids that do homework last minute, uh, that's a hardwired preference. So um, you have to understand if you have a, like me, I'm a parent that's judging. So I'm an early starter and you may have a kid that's pressure prompted. Uh, so having an understanding uh, how to manage all that is very helpful in families. Yeah. So bottom line, Marty, you know your stuff. I don't like <laughs> to have dumb people on my podcast. So thank goodness. Um, thank goodness you were available. Yeah. I hope that this podcast has been useful. If you're listening today, um, we have been talking about offering a maybe an online course, which, uh, again, if you're listening to this when the episode drops, which will probably I'm going to try to get it out either today or tomorrow, which is the 19th to the 20th of March 2020. 
but we're going to work on maybe doing a collaboration where we can actually do this uh, for your team while you are all, um, you know, hold up doing your work from your home. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Margie, thank you so much for spending some time this afternoon with us. We appreciate all the great experience and information and technical abilities you bring and, uh, and, and to help you with your NF right now. We appreciate you making us feel better. <laughs> well, Mac, I, to tap into your NF preferences or temperament, I appreciate so much that you had me here. I, you know how passionate I am about this work. I live it and breathe it. And I know you do too. You do such a great job and you have taught me so much. Uh, about you've done this really way longer than me. So I've learned so much from you and I appreciate that. I appreciate the times we can collaborate. Thank you for having me. It's always so much fun to be on a podcast with you. So easy to do. Well, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Boss Builder Podcast, the podcast for those of you who are new to supervision, those of you in the role and struggling, and even those of you who are thinking about one day making the important transition to management. This podcast is just one resource we have. If you check out our website at greatbosstools.com, you can view some other resources we have there. We'd love to have you as part of our courses. If you're listening to this podcast on any podcast app, we'd also appreciate you taking a few moments to give us a review. Positive, of course, it really helps us out. So with that, take care and get out there and make it your goal to be the absolute best boss ever. Mm-hmm.